good morning, and welcome to Journey Church, uh, the church that I love, and I hope that you love and come to more, uh, love it more and more, uh, even throughout this study. Uh, my name is Randy, and if you're a guest with us, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, I'm excited about this new study. We had a great time going through the book of John, and uh, we finished that last week with Easter Sunday. If you want to catch up, you can go back actually on our website or on Facebook Live, I think, and pick up um, some of those messages. But today we move forward, and today we're going to be beginning this new series called I, Loving, I Love My Church, uh, because that's a place I love to come to. And I get the chance to come to here every day, literally. Uh, for 22 years, I've been able to come here every day, so that's pretty awesome that I still love this place after all that, right? Well, you know, there's some places that we'd love to go, right? Some places we'd love to visit. I don't know about you, but uh, probably everybody's got a bucket list of some sort, some place you'd like to go. Uh, I always wanted to go some places. I've been blessed over the last several years to be able to see some pretty cool things. I always wanted to go see the Grand Canyon. Uh, I just thought, man, it would be awesome. And so uh, last year, uh, Lori and I were able to go out and see the Grand Canyon. It's just pretty phenomenal. It, it's grand. Let me tell you about that. It's amazing. I always wanted to go see Old, Old Faithful at Yellowstone Park. And uh, so a few years ago, our son got married in Idaho, and we drove, uh, flew to Idaho, uh, Boise and drove up into Yellowstone Park, and it is incredible. It's unbelievable. Uh, some other places, not so majestic, but Vegas, been there a couple times. Hollywood, the Walk of Fame, you know where the stars are? It's pretty incredible. It's kind of a letdown, though. It's just like a strip, and then it's all over, you know, and it's dead during the day. So uh, kind of disappointing, but it's pretty cool to see. Disney World, Disneyland. Been to the beach a few times. You know, you, I don't know where you'd like to go, but there are, probably everybody have these want-to, bucket-wish places that you'd like to go. But on the other hand, there are some other places that you probably don't want to go. In fact, we would call these places the have-to-go places, right? And we probably all have some have-to-go places in our lives. For me, it was school. I mean, as a kid, I did not like school. I would say I hated school. Uh, I was not, uh, not a, necessarily a bad student. I just didn't want to be there. The, the worst day of my life uh, started out, uh, we were, um, summer was, uh, school was out, summer was starting. I remember as a kid, and we had to go back to the school for something, which was really bad, but mom was doing something, and my sisters and I were sitting in the hallway uh, just waiting, and school was you know, empty, the school was out, and the principal walked past, Mr. Walker. And he walked past and he saw us and he goes, oh, are you kids signing up for summer school? I'm like, no. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know whether he was messing with us or what, but he said, no, I think you guys need to come to summer school. And like, that was like the worst day of my life. I could not imagine I would be stuck in school for summer. Fortunately, mom got us out of there. But I, I, school was a place for me I had to go. I remember too, when, when I was a little kid, my mother sewed and she made everything. And we had to go to those fabric stores. Remember those? I mean, like Joanne Fabric, I guess now. I remember as a little kid hating to be told, we, we're going to go to a sewing, a, a fabric store. Uh, that was a, a have-to-go place. And there are other places today as adults we don't like going to. I mean, how about the DMV? Now, I got to tell you, in, in Versailles, we have the clerk's office. I love those, those people there. I, li I like to go there. Actually, it's not too awful bad unless you hit a you know, end of the month, this sort of thing. But the DMV is known for long lines and unhelpful clerks. You know, it's just what it's pretty much known for. I'm sorry if you work in the DMV, but it's kind of what the rep is all about, right? Just thinking about standing in line for something like that just brings a lot of dread. In fact, there are various places that we have to go 
that evoke a lot of different emotions and feelings, very variety of responses and reactions to us. For example, we feel different about going to the mall, which is something you may just go to hang out there, and, and then going to the DMV. You know, you feel differently about planning to go to those places. So I thought it would be interesting for us this morning to kind of think about some places that you might have to go and how you feel about that, all right? So I've got a, a few pictures up on the screen, and I want you to participate. I want you to respond, you know, with a word, with a groan, with a shout, you know, whatever it might be that you feel about this, all right? So you guys are, this is on you. So here's the first one, right? Here's this picture that you might have to go. What do you think about that? Yeah, collective groan. I'm sorry if you're a dentist or something. That's a great, it's a great necessary thing, but nobody's rushing to come and see you. All right? We have to go. All right, here's the second one. Whoa. Not necessarily H&R, but the tax office, you know? We just got through with that, right? That's like a sentence. You got to go and get your taxes done. Then you got to pay, whatever it may be. Here's the third one. All right, the grocery store. Yeah, you know, a little bit more indifferent about that. Well, here, you know what I didn't hear anybody say? Love it. <laughs> love it. You know, I love going. I love, you know, to go to that particular place, you know. Uh, I, I, nobody said that. We had a different responses to go. We go to these places usually because we have to, not necessarily because we want to. Now, let me just say this. Some of you are a little bit indifferent about the grocery. I get that. You know, biggest Kroger in the state. That's something to brag about, all right? You know, I don't mind grocery shopping. You know, we go to Aldi's. I like Aldi's. Really, it's not our place. We go, I, I don't mind the grocery shop. But if you were to say, hey, I love going to my dentist, I'd go, all right, somebody's been sipping on the gas a little bit too much. I've heard about you people. You need to get some help, you know, if that's your problem, all right? You know, I just wondered, though, if we put a picture of our church up. And let's just flash that up. If we put a picture of our church, what would be people's thoughts? Oh, I didn't expect that, but that's, that's pretty awesome, you know? Uh, some of you, because you're here today, obviously you like it, but, but you know, there are sometimes that maybe your emotion or your thought wouldn't be quite that, you know? Do you think sometimes that some people, when they drive past the church, or eight, not just our church, any church, that they might view that kind of like going to the dentist or the DMV? They might look at it as not a place that they want to go to, but a place that maybe they feel like they have to go because they were drugged there as a child. Or maybe because they go out of guilt or some other motive that they go there. And think about the people that are not here. Think about the people who that you may have invited to come to church. You invited them to come and you just know, man, if you would just come to church, you would love it. You know, you ever had that sort of thing where you just know if we could just get them in the door, they would probably come back and they, they, this is what they need and long for, but it's, you know, you just can't hardly move them there. Or maybe think about the people who got hurt somewhere in a church, any church down through the, their lifetime, and they haven't been in a church in a long time. And some of these people might even describe the church like we describe going to the dentist. If they go at all, it's because they have to, and they, they, you know, it's a responsibility or something. Based on their, their, their experiences, maybe they have some reason to dislike the church. But you know, when I think about that, I think how sad it is and how, what a disservice we do to people and to God when, when the church isn't what it ought to be. Because that's not what the ch God intended the, the, the church to be all about. The church was envisioned, and the church was founded by Jesus. And he had these grand expectations for what the church should be like. In fact, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. 
So, so the church is diametrically opposite of hell, right? Hell is everything bad. Church is supposed to be everything that is good. And Jesus said, my church will be strong and nothing will overcome it, not even, not even the gates of hell. So obviously Jesus planned for the church to be a place that we would want to go to. And we would love to go to. We would love the church. You know, our mission as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. Why? Because we know that as people move toward Jesus, they're going to find what they're looking for, what they're longing for. They're going to find the peace, the joy, fulfillment that they have sought all of their life. Not that everything's perfect, but that we discover what we were made for. And that's why we want to move people toward Jesus. Our motive is because we love God. We want to be obedient to him. We love people. We want to make disciples who are making disciples. And the values that we long to create in people are belonging, growing, and sharing. And you know what? These are all things that we should enjoy and find joy in doing. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, how you grew up. Those things, we all need to belong. We all need to be growing in something, and we all need to be sharing and we discovered that it's important to do these very important things in the context of a community of believers. See, we believe the church that Jesus would have us to build is what, and what we see in the early church is the church that Jesus loved and wanted us to be a part of. And so because of that, I believe that we are called to love the church. I want to tell you, I can't hardly pass by this church without looking at it and smiling, you know, even if I'm not coming here. I also want to know what's going on at the time, you know, if I'm missing something. But, but I, I love this building. I love this facility. I love this place. I love the church family. I think God made us the desire to want to know that. Not love the, the bad that maybe we've experienced in the church or the bad news uh, that we might see on the media about the church, but to love the church as Jesus intended for it to be. Because I want to tell you the church is called to be the most special group of people in the world. And I believe that with all of my heart. Not because we're any better. We're not any better than anybody else. We know that, right? Because we've been called to follow Jesus, not exclusive, not discriminating, but open and inviting to everyone. And that's the incredible thing that sets us apart from any other organization in the world, I believe, is that everyone is invited to come and be a part of the church. And special because we are called, we are called out to be different from the rest of the world. You know, we talked a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, about being sanctified, because that was one of Jesus' prayers in the garden right before he was arrested, that we would be sanctified, that we would be set apart, that we would be made holy. And in fact, the word church in the Bible means those who are called to be saints. Those who are called to be saints, which is everyone is invited to come and called to be a saint. Now, we have to be honest sometimes, brutally honest, and say, you know what, the church isn't what it should always be, Right? Probably all of us have had unpleasant experiences or seen or heard about in the church. So we're not going to say the church is perfect. I want to emphasize that. Not, not at all. This church isn't, nor is any. But the reality is that all of us in the church are called to be saints. We are called to be saints. You know, a few, weeks, a few years ago, I preached a sermon on this, and I said all of us are a saint. And because of that, I had one very special lady who dubbed me Saint Randy. And so she calls me that about every day, and I, I'm cool with that. I'm a little uncomfortable, but, but because I love her, I let her get away with it, all right? Now, a lot of you, last, since last week, have started calling me Ralph. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to ask you. If you're going to call me Ralph, will you at least call me Saint Ralph, all right? All right, let's just clarify that. But the saint, you could, you could drop that all together, all right? 
So all of us are called to be saints. So if you are a believer, you are a saint. Whether you're acting like one all the time, you are a saint. Some of the other words to use to describe the church today are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. He is the head and we are the body of Christ. I love that analogy, don't you? Because the body is made up of a lot of members, a lot of different abilities and uh, uh, you know, requirements of, of the physical body to make it work. One head, we are the body of Christ. The bride of Christ. That's a beautiful picture that Jesus died for us, that he saved his bride, that he uh, has married us, and one day we're going to be with him. The bride will be with the groom for eternity, right? Another one is the family of God. I love that picture, that imagery of the family of God. And you know what? When we come together, when our, our family, our kids have grown up and they moved away, and they don't always get back for family gatherings, but every time we get together, there's an empty spot if a family member isn't there. And what we don't understand sometimes is that when you're not here, when someone's missing in the family, we miss you. You know, what you bring to the conversation or bring to the table or bring to the community is missing because the family is not complete. And Jesus wants his family to all be together. He wants us to be fulfilling what we've been called to do, our part of the family. Now, each of those terms obviously has its own associations and implications, but collectively they tell us that we, who we are to be and what we're to be like. But probably the best command the Bible gives us that we as Christians are to do is in John chapter 13. Going back to John again. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so we're going to talk for a little while, a few weeks, about loving one another, about loving the church. Because when I say I love the church, it doesn't mean I like the building at 320 Hope Lane. I'm not saying that this is a great building, that I love this place. I love the church. If the building weren't here, the church would still exist, right? All of us. The church comes together, and then the church goes out to impact the world. And we are to love one another. Jesus gave us this, if you think about it, even before the church began. He gave it to us while he was in his earthly ministry, and the church didn't actually begin in what we know of today as the church until after Jesus had died, rose again, gone to heaven, and, and, you know, and then he said, then the church will begin, and it did when the Holy Spirit came. It's in Acts chapter 2. But he said, this is what it's going to be like, and we're going to be known for our love for one another and the spirit that the church community has for one another. By this you will know that these are my disciples if you love one another. So we are meant to love one another. It's not an option. It's not like you really ought to, not a suggestion. You know, it's not an elective. It's a command from Jesus. But, but what does it mean to love one another? What is that really like? You know, I can be, uh, I, I don't hate you, but I can be indifferent to you. Someone said that indifference was the opposite of love. Not really hatred, but indifference is, that I don't really care. So what does it mean to love one another and definitely not hate, but definitely not be indifferent as well? When we read that, are we to love the church like Jesus intended? What does that look like in our lives? Let me give you a couple examples. Um, I like to eat pretty well. And when the staff goes out to eat, we have a place we like to go. It's called Blue Door Barbecue. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not. It's in Lexington. Some of you are going to be checking that out on your phone. Don't do it on your phone right now, all right? Um, <laughs> Blue Door Barbecue. It's a little bitty hole-in-the-wall place, and, uh, you know, we like to go there and, uh, and eat because it's, it's great food. It's a very little seating, long lines, but, man, I love some Blue Door Barbecue. Love this restaurant. Now, you might say that, right? 
Uh, most of you also know that we have a new granddaughter. Uh, her name is Sophie May, and I've been sparing you guys. I mean, I think about her all the time, got all these pictures, but I'm not going to force her on you, okay? But Sophie is adorable. She is fun, and we can't help but every now and just like every other week, we're going to run up there to meet them in Cincinnati or go to Dayton, whatever it may be, to see her and spend some time with her. Man, I love Sophie. She, you know, she, I love her. Now, there's two different kinds of love, right? I love this restaurant, and I love my granddaughter. Now, when I say that we're to love the church, does that mean we are to love it like I love Sophie or love it like I love Blue Door? Let me tell you the difference in that, though, all right? The difference is, is that the restaurant gives me an experience that I like. It makes me happy. I go there because it's good food and it's a cool environment. I tell other people, you got to try Blue Door. But I want to tell you, if the next time I go to Blue Door, the food is lousy, I can't get in there, I can't get a seat, service is horrible, I'm not going to go back, you know? I'm not going to go back and I'm going to tell other people, yeah, you know, the restaurant's gone downhill, you know, after a while. And I'll tell people to avoid it. But on the other hand, with my granddaughter, I experienced an important relationship. That is, it's not an experience, it's a relationship. We are connected together, and my love for her is not based on what I'm receiving or experiencing with her, but our love for her is based on who she is and what's involved in our relationship. And because I love her, I care for her, I play with her, I look forward to a lifetime together, I want to see her every time that I can. In fact, Lori and I have driven four hours to spend one hour with her. That may not be so smart, but it was good while it lasted, all right? You know what? With her, we could have some negative experiences. For example, she could be really fussy. She could be crying, you know, I'll pick her up. She could throw up on me, which she has. She could have one of those leaky diapers, you know, in the back and everything. She could have all these bad experiences, but you know what? I don't care because I love her anyway. I love her. Let me tell you this. The church was never meant to be like the restaurant. It was never meant to be like that based on experience. It was meant to be based on relationship, like family. Now, how do we experience that? Well, first and foremost, we experience that family relationship when we come into Jesus Christ. When we acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we commit our lives to him, we are brought into his family. And we are connected to him in the family. And then we are connected with one another. And we then become a part, not only of a relationship with him, but with his church family, the family of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And then the Bible says that we are to be committed to one another and love one another because we are believers, because we are in Christ. And that's how the world will know and one another will know that we are believers because of our love for one another. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people treat the church like a restaurant. And it's all about my experience at the time. If the experience isn't to their liking all the time, if it isn't perfect all the time, then they're going to find somewhere else to go or not go at all. And the reality is, is that many times when people leave their church, which happens more and more in our world today, whether it's this church or another, many people end up nowhere. <coughs> nowhere. And the devil loves that. Man, he is tickled if he can get us detached in the transition. All right? So I just want you to understand that, you know, that, that's unfortunate. And it's immature in us, to be honest with you. 
Uh, it sets up expectations that the church can never be expected to fill. I mean, what family is perfect all the time? Your family perfect? Do you check out of your family when your family isn't perfect? You know, we would be familyless if it, you know if that were true, right? And what this is is isn't relationship focused; it is self focused. It isn't loving like Jesus loved. It, it's a selfish love, and the church isn't supposed to be like that. Let me tell you why I love this church. I love this church when I came to know it 22 years ago, and it was pretty different back in those days. Lori and I had come out of a difficult ministry where there wasn't a lot of love or respect. There wasn't a lot of encouragement. And when we came here, we found a healing, encouraging, accepting, loving church family. Not perfect, not perfect, but a place we could love and commit to. Back in those days, and some of you were there, but the church was part of a split. And there were two churches, and there was, you know, there was tension a little bit between them, but... But the first year we were here, we were able to experience a healing of the split. And two churches came back together again and overcame the differences they had. I want to tell you, that was an incredible experience and an act of God that I will never, ever forget. Now, we're not a perfect church today. I'll just be honest with you. I wish I could say, welcome to the perfect church. You love us because we're perfect. But we're not perfect, and we know that. We drop the ball sometimes. And people get hurt. I know that to be true. I have probably hurt you. If I haven't hurt you yet, just wait, all right? <laughs> I will do my best not to, but, you know, I may do that. I may th say something stupid, you know. I, I, may, I may miss something I should have done, and that, that happens, to be honest. But you know what? When we commit to love the church and love one another and be loved as a church, all of that can be overcome. And here's the sad thing I've discovered is maybe because our expectations are too high, if we're ever hurt by the church, it's almost something we never get over something we never get over and that's unfortunate you know because we're all human and we're all going to fail sometimes but here's the thing you will experience a love for the church when you actively and intentionally love the church when you make a commitment to love like a family member like you're going to go through some stinky diapers and you're going to let people throw up on you but you're going to love them anyway no matter what because it's not based on experience it's based on a commitment a family thing when you let your down your defenses and you let people into your life, to many of us, we keep people at an arm's distance because we do not want to let down our guard. We don't want to be hurt. But you know what? If you, if you never allow anybody to get close to you and make yourself vulnerable to be hurt, you never experience the greatest joys in life. But when you intentionally love the church and you overlook its flaws like you want other people to overlook your flaws, then you learn how to truly love the church and you may find some things to, to criticize. You may find some imperfections. If you look very hard, you will in any church. But the reality is we commit because this is the family of God. And there are people that just constantly wander from one church to another. Or maybe they give up on the church that, that they have commitments to looking for the perfect place and if you're looking for the perfect place you won't be here long probably because that place doesn't exist anywhere I know and if it did you and I would spoil it the day we stepped in the door because none of us are perfect there's only one place the church will ever be perfect and that's when we're with the Lord and there won't be any issues there any imperfections remember that love is not an emotion or a feeling 
That's what we think it is. If I don't feel great all the time, if I don't, you know, if I'm not high on this and it's not good, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wander off, love's a choice. In marriage, in any relationship, in friendship, love is a choice. So what does it look like to be intentionally loving the church? What does it look like to be in community with one another like God intended for it to be? Well, that's what we're going to talk about for a few weeks here uh, in this series. And we're going to be seeing what God says, what the Bible says uh, about this. We're not just going to be talking about the church. We're going to be talking about what God intends for the church. And we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about loving one another by connecting with each other. By living in community with each other beyond what happens on Sunday morning. You see, the community of, of the body of Christ is more than just knowing somebody's face or knowing where they sit. And we all do that at some times in, in our life, right? I, know, I don't know their names, but I know where they sit, and I know their face, and I just can't recognize them, and I see them out in public. You know, we all struggle with that, right? But wouldn't it be great if we knew people better than just where they were sitting at the time on Sunday morning? I mean, what beyond that? We love one another and we stand alongside of each other, know each other's name, we know something about people, we're connecting with one another, and we assure that nobody stands alone and hopefully that nobody sets alone. And that's something that we also need to get better at, all of us do, is just walking over and introducing ourselves to someone. I, you know, I love the church community, I love when everybody comes in and I talk to the people I know, but I want to seek out the people that don't seem to be known. Maybe nobody knows. Maybe it's their first Sunday here. If there's somebody alone, we want to connect. We can get better at that. And hopefully this will help us be able to do that. We want to love by serving. You know, God has given every one of his followers supernaturally empowered abilities to encourage us and help us not only personally in our walk, but one another and the church community. And if you're not using these abilities, these gifts that God has given you, then you're hurting the church. There's something missing when you're not exercising, when you're not present, when you're not exercising the gifts that God's given you. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts a little bit and the superpowers that you have. We're also going to talk about loving by giving. Somebody said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know, I can give something away and have no connection, but if I love someone, I'm definitely going to give toward them. And we're going to talk about giving, not in the context of taking up an offering necessarily and giving to the church. We're talking about giving to one another and sharing with one another as an indicator of our love. And then we're going to talk about loving by sharing. The love that Christ has given to us that we've experienced and that we can have for one another is also meant to be shown to our community so that other people out there know the love of Jesus as well. And there are people in my life that I just, I ache for them to know Jesus. Not necessarily to come to our church, even though I think it's the best place to come to know Jesus, personally, but I just want them to know Jesus. Amen. No matter where they might go to church, I, I just want them to do that. And if we're not sharing the love of Christ with others, then we're not truly loving them like we should. So I'm going to ask you if you would just stick with us for four weeks, the next four weeks, as we look at various ways that we can intentionally love the church. Let me say this, if you are a member of our church family, we're just really we love you and we want you to get more engaged and love the church more. If you're here today as a guest and you're not a part of our church, we'd like to invite you to be a part of us and help us become more what Jesus wants us to be. And if you're here and you're not even a believer this morning and, uh, and maybe you've had a, uh, some negative experiences with the church in your past, I'm sorry for that. And if I could speak for not just our church, but the church, the big church around the world, I'm sorry that you've been hurt. And I want to encourage you to kind of move beyond that 
And I want to encourage you to give the church a second chance, a second opportunity. We want to know, everyone to know the love of Christ personally as experienced in the relationship through the family of God. Remember, John said this, by this will everyone know that you are, excuse me, Jesus said this, everyone know if you're my disciples, if you love one another, yes. love one another. So here's the action step for today as we wrap up. I want to encourage you to get in connected in an I Love My Church group. We are putting together new groups. We have a lot of groups in our church. We don't talk about those as much as we should, no doubt. But we have a lot of groups in our church already formed, but we're adding several new ones to study through this material that we talk about on Sunday morning. You know, maybe, maybe you're sitting there going, I have a question, and that's, this is not the setting for that, all right? Because it would take a while because we all got to ask our questions right now. And I don't want to be put on the spot. I'm not a Q&A kind of guy, all right? But maybe you got questions or thoughts you're dealing with right now. You're like, I just wonder, or I think of this, or, I, you know, I've experienced that. It would be great to be in a setting where you could actually say those things and ask those questions and, and, and let other people answer them. Or maybe you've got a hurt and you'd like to have to be prayed for. We are putting together groups where that, that can be possible. And I want to encourage you to be in one of those groups. Those groups will not be perfect. I will tell you that, but we'll, they will be our, we'll do our best to make it a com community that you can connect with people. And so we're asking you to sign up this morning in the lobby. Uh, there'll be a place back there on the counter to sign up for a group. We've got several going uh, that are going to be starting. And this is kind of a, a chaos, to be honest with you, putting groups together on short notice. Uh, but we're, we're going to, you know, there's, we have groups most nights of the week. So if you have a schedule that's not very flexible, we can, we can make that work out. And those groups will actually start meeting this week. This week, so the notice is pretty short. Some of you are already in group, but if you had not signed up for a group, um, let us know. We know that stuff happens. Stuff will happen. It'll come up. You can't make group. That's okay. You just make, do your best. But we're going to try to do this for five weeks. We're going to have this study talking about what we're talking about on Sunday morning. So I want to encourage you to do that. Sign up, and you're going to be called. Make sure we get your information. We'll call you, and we'll get you into a group. We'll do our very best to do that, all right? So let's wrap up. I'm telling you, I love the church, and I believe in the church. Church is not perfect, but I believe in the church. I love what Bill Heibel says about the church. He says, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It confronts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, it frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. The potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. And I believe that to be true. I really do. It's what we long for, the community that we need, and that we have to have, not only to uh, survive as a believer, I think, but to grow. And as we grow and we become more like Christ, we belong, and as we connect with other people, we discover the joy that Jesus longed for us to have. So I would encourage you, the action step, sign up for a community group, and we'll talk more about this next week. Right now we're going to do something that's, that's really cool that I think is all about community, and that is we're going to move into a time of communion. And every Lord's Day we come together and we share in our communion, and and communion is a time that we get a chance to take a bit of bread and a, a cup of juice 
and that we get to remember what Jesus did for us, his body that was broken on the cross and his blood that was shared for us. And as we take those, the element of smell, of taste, of texture, of all those things, our senses react to what Jesus did for us. And so we invite you as a believer to join us in that. Our, our tradition is that we come up these uh, side aisles to the tables and circle back around one way or the other, back in, depending on where you're setting. But here's the thing I think is really cool about communion, is that there are two aspects of communion. First of all is our communion with God. That, that's the, the vertical side. We're, we're communing with him. We're connecting with what Jesus did for us. But here's the other part of that, is that is the horizontal communion. The horizontal communion, and we're going to be coming forward, responding with others, and standing in line with people, and maybe, you know, respecting one another at the table, and serving one another. It's, it's a cool way for us to experience fellowship and community, even as we take of these emblems. So we invite you to come and share with us in the horizontal communion as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your church. Lord, as I think about what your intentions and your desire for the church is, I acknowledge that in our humanness, we often let you down. But Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We really want the church to be holy and perfect. God, help us as we strive to create that community here at Journey. Lord, help us to be faithful to you above everything else. And, and then, Lord, to be faithful to one another and love one another as you taught us. Father, just now as we come to the table, we are so grateful for what Jesus has done for us, how, how he suffered and died so that, we, so that the church would even exist, so that we could be a part of the church and part of your family, the body, the bride of Christ. So, Lord, now be with us as we go into a time of communion. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.